God wants you to experience the life that He designed. We can't allow life to kill the dream that we dream. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You will look back on your life and you'll say, man, life is good. The Word of God brings the abundant life into focus and within your grasp. As you listen, open your heart and discover life. God, I just thank you that whatever we're going through this morning, that uh, our eyes can be turned from that situation. Uh, Even if it's a good thing, God, you are better. And God, as long as we have our eyes on you, we are going to have our best life. And we are going to be the best us. So God, if we haven't already, God, we just take that a step further. We just turn our eyes even more on you. Something something in our life becomes so small when we start looking at you, God. And God, we just lift you up in our life. And as we lift you up, God, any problem, any circumstance, it starts to shrink. It starts to get smaller. It's, it becomes powerless compared to you, God. So God, we just see our, our problems melting away, our issues, anything that's, that's holding us back in life, anything that makes us feel like we've got something unfair, a disadvantage in our life, maybe a, a wound in us, God, or anything that, that prevents us from moving forward, God, we just see that melt away right now. but make sure you say hi to someone first. Good morning, church. I said good morning, church. Thank you. Man, wasn't that worship just absolutely amazing? Yeah? Welcoming in the presence and the glory of God today. All right, well, I have the pleasure of uh, taking offering today. Offering is going to be a little bit different, all right? So just roll with me, all right? I... I'm going to share a little personal story today, all right? So this weekend, I got the pleasure of going to the Twin Cities Prophetic Conference. How many have heard of that? Okay, it's at Redeeming Love Church, all right? And let me tell you, I got wrecked, okay? You want to know, all right? So how many have heard of Katie Souza? All right, I had never heard of Katie Souza before, ever, and Thursday night, she's doing, she's doing offering, all right? And I got to be honest, I had already given offering once before on Wednesday, so I had made it up in my mind that I wasn't going to give offering. I already did. So 
I was pretty set in my own mind. Well, God had a different plan, <laughs> all right? So she's, she's getting ready. She's, you know, we're passing out envelopes, everything. And I'm like, I hear God. He's like, even 10 bucks. See what I can do with $10. So I was like, okay, all right, sure. I'll, okay, fine. $10, that's not bad. I have a $10 bill in my wallet. I'll give it. So raise my hand, get an envelope, okay? And she asks us all to, to stand up if we're, if we're having, um, like, bone problems. She was going to pray for healing during the offering. And I didn't stand. I didn't really have any problems that I believed in. So, but I hold it up anyway because, you know, you're going to bless it. God, you said, see what I can do with $10. And you guys... I got healed. I didn't even really realize that I had a problem to be healed for, okay? My right foot. I broke a bone in my right foot two years ago. Walked on it for a month, didn't know it was broken, so it healed improperly. It healed crooked, and my pinky toe was actually shorter than the other one because of how it healed. And so for all this time, for the past two years, Whenever I walk on flat shoes, like these, these are the shoes I was wearing, (laughs) it starts to hurt. It would start to hurt, and I could just feel it kind of in the side where the fracture used to be. So I'm holding up my offering. I'm saying, all right, God, you said 10 bucks. Let's see what you can do. He healed my foot. (laughs) All right? Yo, let, yeah, come on. Give praise to God for that, okay? Because he's the only one that could have done that. There is no way he's the only one. So I'm, I'm freaking out. You guys, I didn't even stand. I wasn't even expecting a healing because here I am. I've been sitting, living with the pain for the past two years. Just, you know, these other people are standing with, they, you know, I'm thinking to myself, they have bigger problems than I do. Like, I just have a tiny hairline fracture in my foot. I don't need to stand. Like, there's people with broken backs, you know, broken legs. They can't walk. God healed me anyway. Okay? So, the offering is something that I feel like as time has gone on, I have a better understanding of because I, I got to be honest, I didn't like giving offering. You know, People, people stand up here, and I, there are people, you know, they're like, oh, we, we have to give our money to Jesus. You know, let's, let's bless the church. Let's do this so we can just keep getting more things and more stuff. No, that's not what offering is, you guys. Okay? It's having faith and trust in the Lord. Okay? Because I didn't, I have to be honest, I didn't even think that God was going to heal my foot. I didn't believe it, okay? I got to be honest with you. (laughs) And look what he did, okay? And we're sons and daughters. He can do the same thing for you. But it's kind of like how Neil was saying just before I came up here. Is God bigger or smaller than your problems? Okay? Because, yeah, I mean, you might have financial debt. There's, there can be a whole lot of other things going on in the world. The world's a mess, all right? I get that. But how big is your God? 
How big is your God? Watch what he can do. Okay, because, you know, what would you, what would you do if you knew that the outcome was going to be good? Because with God, the outcome is always good. Because he is nothing less than that. All right, so I want you all to take up your offering. All right, we're going to do the same thing, okay? I want you to take it, hold it high. All right? And we're going to pray over this. Because I'm believing. I'm believing. You don't need to if you don't want to, but I am. And that's all I need. Because I know that my God is going to take care of all of you. Because he's big enough. He's big enough for me. He's big enough for you. And that's all I need. All right? So take your offering. Hold it up high in your hand. All right? So I just, God, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you are here in this place, God. That you are touching people's lives today, God. God, that when they leave this place, they are never going to be the same, God. God, and we give this offering to you in faith, knowing that you are bigger than our problems. You are bigger than the circumstances that are around us. In Jesus' name, I bless everyone here in the church today, Lord. Everyone that has come through the doors, God. Thank you that you brought them here today. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can pass the buckets or whatever you do. All right. Oh, I forgot to say that. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm learning. <laughs> so, on that note, guess what else I get to do? I get to introduce a very wonderful, strong, powerful woman of God that is going to come up today and bless you even more than you already have. All right? You guys know her as our fearless worship leader, but now let's welcome her as our amazing teacher, Lauren. Good morning. Good morning. That was awesome. Helps to hear a little bit of testimony. Build your faith up a little bit. God healed her without even knowing she needed to be healed. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, guys. God's good. Um, yeah, I get to preach this morning. And Pastor Steve asked me, like, the end of November. And I've been mulling on this. Like, God, what do you want to say to us. What do you want to say to our church? What does he have for us this morning? And um, I'm really excited about, about this word. I feel like God's bringing us back to the simple things. So this morning I'm going to talk about hearing him. And, uh, and I'm stirred up. I know that God's done this work in me while I've been, I've loved studying for this. Um, so God's done a work in me in the meantime and in the process. One thing I think I was just going to mention, you know, we're still in the beginning of the year. We're still, you know, resolutions. I guess it's this week that it starts dwindling. But, but, whatever. Who cares? 
but it's a new year. And I feel like God's got some new things for us. And I, I really, I know that he's building family amongst our church here and building unity in our hearts and love with one another. And I've been stirred even by the messages we've had already. Um, Pastor Steve comes back next week. And so it'll be good to hear what he has and what he's been sort of on a sabbatical and storming the gates of heaven for words and refreshing. Um, but already God has started to stir things. You know, it started off with my, my dad. He spoke the beginning of the year and he said, and I'm paraphrasing and bringing it down to a sentence, but basically what, what your life is going to be is what you choose to either invite or to take hold of. And that'll be what it is. What will you believe God that he, what, what believe, what, what you believe that God has said is going to be true in your life, God will give that and beginning to add that inside of you. And so the ball's in our court, basically, how much we want to take hold of him. You know, and then Sam last week was talking about there's no substitutes for the person of Jesus in our lives. There's no, there's no platforms is the word that he used. Like, we can't just run to another podcast or run to another, you know, well, this song is really great on YouTube or, or run to another anything to replace the personal exchange of a relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and sort of continuing along those lines this morning, I'm going to be talking about that, talking about hearing him, how there is no, there's no substitutes for him as a person in our lives that we're coming to each day. I feel like uh, God's really stirring devotional times. You know, as a church, we've kind of embarked on this. We're going to read the Bible in a year. Who's enjoyed that so far, you know, if you have not started yet, we're only John 12. So jump in with us. Okay. On Facebook, every Friday, there's kind of like a check-in and man, Ryan, this last week was just, I mean, I got stirred by that. Jesus came back and he sat with Lazarus and visited a little bit. What were the Pharisees thinking that they could kill him again? Jesus had just raised Lazarus. It was irrational. Anyway, I feel like it's growing us as people, growing us together as a church. So feed on those things. Um, but I think God's stirring a little bit and wanting to meet us in our devotional times. In order for that to be real and not just another duty, it has to be a relationship where there's an exchange, where there's an interaction. And this morning, I want to build our faith. I want to show how God wants to come and meet with us in a real way. This was his plan all along, was to develop family. You know, we saw it. His original intent in the garden was to walk alongside, to visit daily. And that has not changed in his heart. He wants to visit with us daily. And I know the things that take us out of that moment is, well, I just don't feel God. And I, I want to challenge that this morning, Okay. So turn with me to Psalms 5. Uh, Psalms 5, 3 is where we're going to start. You know, I've been reading, every year I get stirred to go back and read the stories of revival. Oh, God did some amazing things. It makes you want, man, it makes you want to see it with your eyes. You start reading about, you know, people everywhere just out having experiences with Jesus, kids playing in glory clouds and healings and, I mean, cities getting saved. It just, 
stirs something inside of you to see it again. And not just then, but then you read through the Bible and you see how God met people. And then you look at your life and you go, okay, that's the bar. Let's go, you know? And so I see God kind of enriching, enriching and, in, and deepening our experiences with him and our hunger. And, you know, these things that he did in the past, all he was looking for is faithful hearts that were turned toward him, pure hearts that could see him and a longing for him. We got that. We got that. So the faith part is building today. And, and um, I haven't forgotten. But I, the other thing I was going to say, you know, God is a speaking God. He, he's speaking to us this morning. He's speaking to those that are listening. And you have to believe that in order to embark on this journey, that God is speaking. Um, anyway, okay, Psalms 5. I'm going to read this in a couple different versions because I liked the way it said it. But Psalms 5.3 goes, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. This is David talking to God. He's sort of laying out his process of devotions. Okay? So, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. In the message it says, Every morning you'll hear me at it again. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and watch for the fire to descend. One more. At each and every sunrise, you know, each one of these sort of has a different verbiage or a different something. At each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. You know, when David approaches prayer, he came with such an intention. And what he put out there, those prayers that he put out, he didn't just throw them up casually. He laid out the pieces of his life and said, here it is. Here's everything I got going on right now. He wasn't directing, he wasn't directing God, now you have to do this. You heard him processing, but he was open to what, he, what God wanted to do. But he would lay out the pieces of his life each morning, and then he would wait. He would wait for the fire of God to fall. He'd wait for a response. He would, he would you know, take those prayers and shoot them off like an arrow and then watch him or watch where they would land, fixing his eyes on where they were going to go. And then he would wait for God to come and answer. And, you know, I think that it's so easy to, that we can sometimes so easily just throw up, well, I'm... Don't worry about it. It's all right. It's just a buzz. Sammy. <laughs> Is that an amp? Hey, it's Ted's birthday today, guys. Come on. Happy birthday. <laughs> We're so used to it. It's all good. Anyway. Oh. Well, then. Well, we won't go there. We could blame the devil right now, but we don't have to. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just going to keep going. You guys okay? Okay. So he'd wait for this inter interaction to take place. He'd wait for the fire to come and fall on each of those different things that he offered up to God. You know, uh, Bill Johnson is a guy who really has a, a history with God or a walk with God that's enviable. But what he would say is that if he had 10 minutes to pray, you guys still okay? All right. If he had 10 minutes to pray, he'd spend eight minutes of that time just bringing adoration and bringing worship and bringing thanksgiving to God. 
He'd, he'd take that time, steady his heart, prepare his heart, believing that God was going to come. Hey, believing that God was going to come and respond to him. He'd spend those eight minutes just going, God, you're so good. Look at the faithfulness. Look at the things that you've done in my life. And then he'd spend those last two minutes just making a request. I feel like that challenged me a little bit. Because it can be so easy to run to him with the problem and not run to him remembering he, he's a God that sees everything from a bird's eye view. He sees our heart. He sees every issue. He's intimately acquainted with them even more than we are. He sees it all. Does that make sense? Um, I love that, that attitude of David that just said, Here is it, here's all the issues. Here's all of the things. But I know who you are. And so now I'm just going to wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Um, another scripture verse I want to run to is Psalms 85, 8. And it says, as you're turning there, it says, now I'll listen carefully for your voice and wait to hear whatever you say. Let me hear your promise of peace. The message every one of your godly lovers longed to hear. Um, if you go to, there's another I'm just going to be jumping around for versions just so we can hear it. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and his saints. Another one says, I'll, this is the new living. I'll listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. And I think that word peace is a key to this. You know, when we speak to God and he begins to hear, peace is the anchor or the marker of his response. He's not going to come and he's not going to yell. He's not going to push. It's not going to sound like fear, which can I just say something? Wisdom disguises itself as fear a lot of the time. But God's voice is a voice of peace. I heard a, a really great, or I was studying and I, I saw a really great definition of that word peace. You know, we're intimately acquainted around here, like shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, um, perfect. But this one was, he will steady your heart with perfect wholeness. Peace that passes understanding is he, you'll sense God's wholeness coming over every area of your life. He promises an answer of peace in response. And I think that's an important key. You know, a while ago when we were, I don't know, I don't remember how many years ago now, but because it started being an ongoing process, but I was practicing because I really wanted to hear God and I wanted to get good at hearing his voice. Um, so I'd practice with stuff that, you know, nothing really was on the line. A good parking spot was on the line. And so, so I'd be running, I'd be going to work, driving through town. I work at, in Alec and I'd be going, okay, God, should I turn on 10th or should I go straight on Broadway? Where's the good parking spot? It was something, it's so little. I don't care if I have to walk to the door. It's nothing. But it was training my ear to hear him on something that not a lot was at stake. Come on, you don't want to wait you don't want to wait until crisis has come to train your ear to hear the voice of God. You know, and there's a process with this because even like, okay, if there was two routes to go, like I remember leaving this parking lot and I could go left or I could go right, land in the same destination. So I'd go, hey God, which way should I go? And this was a process. I mean, I'd, I'd go out on the out on the gravel, get as far as you can, and I couldn't hear him right. Go left, go right, go left, go right. And I'd be turning my car because I was like, I don't know which one is you. So I'd stop, and i go, okay, what's the voice of peace? Which one's not yelling at me right now? 
Even now, when I'm on my way to Alec, I can either go on the freeway or I can take 82, which is my preference because it's kind of quiet and you can putz your way through. You don't see a lot of people. And I'll still ask them, 82 or the freeway? And honestly, sometimes the voice of fear will come, well, don't take the freeway because you never know what's going to happen. And if that's the voice that's yelling at or talking to me, I'm going to take the freeway every time because that is the voice of fear. Listen for the voice of peace, the steady wholeness that comes. He promises to answer. I mean, these are small issues of driving a car. What? <laughs> Who cares? These are small issue, issues of driving the car, but it's training your ear to recognize his voice and to believe in faith that he'll answer you. Because when the time comes and you're going to need to hear him about a job change, about a location change, about the one to marry, what do I do with my finances? God, I got a lot of bills coming at me. Jesus, I just need to know which way to go. You want to know, you want to want to know that your ears have been trained to the voice of your father. Now there's promise in this, but I want to turn to First uh, Kings 19. This is talking about Elijah. Man, I was stirred up and, sorry guys. You don't read revival stories before you preach. Just let's, let's figure that out. Okay, so I'm enthusiastic today. All right, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I loved reading about Elijah. I loved reading about this guy who just was fearless in his culture. Uh, I'll set the story up for you because we're going to start in 19, but it starts in 17 where uh, King Ahab had partnered with Jezebel and they had, you know, Israel had torn down, deliberately torn down the altars and the places of worship to God. So the climate, the spiritual climate here was rough. Uh, Jezebel brought in Baal, and so everybody was worshiping Baal. And so Elijah comes on the scene, and he goes, there's going to be a drought. And sure enough, there was a drought. And then, well, and then, so Jezebel had taken all the prophets of the Lord, had um, killed them all. So Elijah you know, was, he was the only one left in his eyes because he didn't know. The rest of them probably were in hiding or in his, in his understanding, everybody was gone. It was just him. And, um, sorry, I'm going through the story in my head. I should just look at my notes because I wrote it all down. <laughs> but so the prophets of Baal had, or Elijah came and he challenged the prophets of Baal and said, listen, let's both there's this massive drought. So let's both pray to our gods and see which one answers in, in fire and in rain. So they both had the challenge and they both brought their uh, sacrifice to the altar. He gave the prophets of Baal the first shot at it and said, you guys go ahead, call on your God to come and bring down the rain and bring down the fire, consume the, the sacrifice. And so they went all day and their customs were pretty barbaric. There was a lot of cutting and it was just icky and gross. And so Elijah at the end of the day goes, all right, we're done now. And so he prepares the sacrifice. And then he says to these people, like, grab the, the gallons of water and drench the sacrifice. And then he goes, and do it again. And wait, do it again. So three times this thing had been, had been drenched with water. And then he prays. I mean, it's a simple prayer. He just goes, hey, God, come and show what you can do. I'm paraphrasing. Come and show what you can do. And fire came from heaven. Consu come on. Consumed consumed the sacrifice and, and all the, they dug a trench for all the water and it removed all the water. God answered from heaven. 
And they all saw it. And so much so that the Israelites that were there at the time, they turned their hearts and they, they started worshiping God again. And then they went after the prophets of Baal and took them all out. Now, in the meantime, then, then uh, Elijah goes, okay, King Ahab, go ahead. Go ahead to, to your kingdom and I'm going to pray for rain. And so, God, or so Elijah goes up on the mountain and he goes, he starts praying for rain. And he looks out. Look for the cloud. He goes to my servant. Go look for the cloud. Nothing comes or nothing's there. Seven times. Go look for the cloud. And then they saw the cloud like the man's hand. You guys remember this story? Just want to catch us all up so that when we walk into this, we know what we're looking at. And so they had just seen something powerful. And not only that, but Ahab had gotten a head start. So Elijah, after he sees the cloud, he gets down and he outruns the chariot all the way back because Ahab didn't even give him a ride. Punk. Anyway. <laughs> just wanted to prove I can move. Anyway, so that's where we're picking it up. Oh, wait. So Jezebel hears what happens and launches this massive threat that says, I'm going to, you tell Elijah, I'm going to take him out. The thing is though, it was an empty threat. With what prophets, Jezebel? With what Israelite people? Because they're all worshiping God now and your own people are too afraid to touch him because God of heavens just answered with fire, and we all know it. So it was an empty threat, but still, this is where we find Elijah. Okay, so in 19, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Oh, man, we need glasses. Okay, here we go. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, the prophets, by tomorrow about this time. So when he saw that, he got up and he ran for his life, this is Elijah, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. So he goes by himself now. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake. I love that God answered in carbs, a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. Come on. So he ate and some, some versions say baked goods. So, you know, who knows what this was. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, get up and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he got up, ate and drank, and he went in strength, in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. This is Mount Sinai, guys. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, which means God said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord of hosts and for the children of Israel, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Now we're going to stop right there just for a second. Here's what I know from a little bit of self-awareness teaching. He was in the perfect storm right here. He was hungry. He was alone. He was angry. Wait, there's an acronym for this, so I just messed that up. He was hungry. He was angry and misunderstood. He was lonely and tired. There's an acronym that says HALT. 
or, you know, if you're raising toddlers, hangry would apply here. He's in a perfect storm to like just miss God or look to something else to fulfill the, the void. He went there and he was, he was looking back on the days of his life going, what has it all been about? I've gained no ground. I am purposeless here. I, it's all failed. God, what is up? You know, there's some speculation even whether or not God had asked him even to take that journey. Because I don't see it in there where God goes, go to Mount Sinai. He just decided he was going to go for a journey. But isn't it interesting that after he'd made that decision in his heart, God even provided the food because he knew it would be too much for him. But what he was doing is he was searching. You don't walk for 40 days and 40 nights without some intention. He was searching for a word from God to encourage his soul. I mean, we had just heard him say, God, take me out already. Let's call it. He had given up on what he thought God was going to do because the circumstances didn't look like it was happening. So this is the state that we see him, and he went to the cave. You know, can I just say one other thing? This was Mount Sinai. A lot of people believe that was the same cave that Moses stood at and met God. So he went to a familiar place. He went to a place he knew that God would speak to him, would speak to somebody, had spoken in the past, he traveled a long distance and then went in that cave and fell asleep. And watch now, because God, so God comes and he goes, what are you doing here? And God knew his heart, but it was a revealing heart question here. So let's continue in 11. Then he said, this is God talking, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Now watch this. And behold, the Lord passed by And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still small voice like a whisper. Okay. We'll stop right there. Isn't it fascinating? He was in the cave and God himself said, go and stand at the entrance. I'm going to speak to you, basically was the context here. And the wind came and the, the earthquake came and the fire came and then the voice came, the whisper came, but none of the other stuff moved Elijah. It was the voice, the familiar sound of a whisper. His God speaking was the only thing that could get him up and out of that cave. He wasn't distracted by a big show here. Come on, we had just talked about he was in the perfect circumstance to take something and substitute it. But he didn't let the show, the wind, the fire, the earthquake take his eyes off the fact, no, I'm here to meet God. I'm not after some substitute that makes me feel good. So I'm not after some substitute that makes me feel like God might be doing something, but I can't be clear. I know the voice of my God, and I will answer only to the whisper. It was a personal interaction. He had had a personal relationship. You know, God had sustained him by ravens and by angels. He had saw the rain come. When he prayed, fire came from heaven. You know, it's interesting that even fire came in this situation. He was desperate to hear God. But not even the old miracle that he just saw could sway him from saying, no, I know the voice. And it came like a whisper. You know, 
I'm, so, I'm fired and I'm not sorry about that. The thing about a whisper, there's intimacy. That speaks of intimacy. You know, I just wouldn't walk up to any of you all in the room, maybe Sam, and I, would, I wouldn't just whisper in anybody's ear. Sam's my husband. It's all good. But I wouldn't just whisper in anybody's ear. There's intimacy there. This stuff is not isolated to Elijah alone. This is a promise. This is a picture of the intimacy that God wants to build with you, meet with you in your devotional times. He wants to be real to us. We can get desperate where if we see anything move or jump, we think it's the answer. But can we steady ourselves and wait for the voice of, a, of, of our relational God that comes and speaks to us? Let's go a little bit further, just a little bit further. So, so it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And I love too, it's important to note, Elijah was friends with God. You can see intimacy here, but he still respected him as God. He came in reverence. I don't know what that means, but there's something in that that couldn't not say it. Anyway, um, suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone and left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria, and anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. I hope I read that right. And Elisha, the son of... Whatever, okay. You shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knee have not bound to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You know, look at how God answers him. He answers him by saying, okay, now I want you to go back. You know, guys, this was a 180-mile journey one way that he took in these 40 days to get to this mountain. He was like over 300 miles of a journey just to hear this one thing. But so he goes, go anoint this Hazel, go anoint Jehu. And then here's Elisha. God answered with direction, understanding, direction. And Elisha was an encourager to him because they walked, you know, doing the same thing for a while also his successor. This was honoring of what everything that Elijah had grown and built. God answered it and said, it was not purposeless. Now let me show you how I'm seeing this thing. And he showed him how he saw that thing. I just love how God answered that. Turn with me to John 10, 14 and 15. You know, we, we were reading this in our devotions this last week, John 10. Um, and in this is the promise. You know, everything up to this point has been a picture. David's relationship, Elijah's relationship. This now is the promise that we can stand on as we apply what we've seen in the past. In uh, John 10, 14 and 15, it says, I alone am the good shepherd, and I know those whose hearts are mine, for they recognize me and know me, just as my father knows my heart, and I know my father's heart. I'm ready to give my life for the sheep. He's the good shepherd. He knows. 
The promise is we know and we will recognize his voice. And then the, the simile, Mrs. Kirkhamwitz, just as the Father and Jesus, <laughs> that's the picture of the intimacy that he wants to grow with us, is just as the Father and Jesus. Mrs. Kirkhamwitz was our English teacher, and simile is an English grammatical term. Killed it. Anyway. <laughs> There's a picture there of the likeness. It's the father's heart that knew the son and the son that knows the father. That's how intimate this promise is. But the promise is, you are my sheep and I know your heart. I know that you belong to me. And you also can know my heart and recognize my voice. Um, in John 10, 3 to 5, if you go up a little bit further, it says, and the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd for he calls his own by name, and he leads them out, for they belong to him. And when he has brought out all his sheep, he walks ahead of him, and they will follow, for they are familiar with his voice. But they will run away from strangers and never follow them, because they know it's the voice of a stranger. There's a lot of stuff in these, in these scripture verses when you break it all apart. You know, not only to know, know that you belong he knows and he knows your whole hearts and knows, you know, our whole hearts knows that we belong to him, but that we won't follow the voice of a stranger because we don't know that voice. But this, this word voice is actually different than other places in the Bible. This word voice talks about the nature and the tone. It's even deeper than just the person. We know his personality, his nature and the tone even by which he speaks. You know, that word nature, one of the first times we saw that was when Moses was at the same cave. And when he stood there and he was asking for more and God passed by and goes, I am the Lord your God, full of compassion, full of mercy, with unfailing love towards you, love that doesn't fail or end, forgiveness, and I am just. You saw God define himself, his nature and his character. We're to know his character. All through the Bible, you see this God, a God full of compassion and mercy. When he looks at you, when he looks at you, he's got compassion and mercy towards you. He's got empathy towards you. Because he lived it. He understands. He came to the earth so that he can identify, I understand. He comes. He's got love that never fails, never even shakes or shifts. This is the God who we, who we call ours. It talks about his character. The, the other one is it talks about his tone. You know, I've got a, I've got a pet peeve. I've got two pet peeves, actually. I'm going to tell you about them. <laughs> Number one, when it talks about character, in early church or early church history, when deism came in, it removed this personal, in, uh, intimate, relational God. And it said, basically, God was a God who built the world, spun it like a clock and set it in motion and walked away and was distant. And I don't believe that because I don't see that. I see a personal God. The other pet peeve I got, and this is more practical, is... You know how it is when you're texting somebody and they go, okay, period. What does that mean? <laughs> it can be the most, like, it can be my mom 
and I love her and I know she loves me. I am so like cemented in that fact and that truth. But when she says, okay, period, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's hard to read the tone in text messages, guys. You know what I'm saying? Or when somebody goes, hey, what do I do with that? Hello? I don't know. Give me more to stand on here. The tone of voice, I mean, you can get in a lot of trouble with texting, right? You're like, I never meant any of that. I was just saying hi. Anyway, moving right along. Those are my pet peeves. Is that okay? Don't text me that. I will, I will be at home going, did I do something wrong? Did, do they need anything? Are they, is that the only thing they can text? Because they're laying on the side of the road somewhere. What do I do with this? Anyway, the tone of voice. That's that word voice right there is even tone. So we're to be so confident in our relationship with him that we even understand the tone in which he's speaking to us in. You know, what I see is when God comes, and this is maybe a little bit more practical, you know, we've talked about how he comes and he asks answers in peace and what that sort of sounds like and looks like. But to be really practical, when he comes, I see a lot of the times that he comes and he speaks and he has heart conversations with us. Like, uh, like he'll come and he'll reveal himself to us in a way we haven't seen him yet as an answer to a question in our heart. And then he'll start speaking to us about the things in our hearts that we need him to come and straighten out. I see a God that shows up that has eyes on, I want to heal you. I want to fill in the gaps. I want to bring in some missing conversations here. I want you to see it like this because I, I don't think you understand me yet in this respect. Uh, he always brings understanding and he puts so much value when he comes and talks. Now this is important because the voice of the stranger also speaks. So we need to be able to identify the stranger or our father, the stranger, or the shepherd. He always comes with life and with hope. We sang it this morning. Your, your name is life. It's hope inside of me. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. I don't have to be overwhelmed. Oh, that I could see it how you see it. He comes and he talks to us in heart conversations. You know, and... He reveals to us even our hearts because they can be a mystery at times. You know, the reason why you do that, Lauren, is because you view me like this. So let me straighten that out for you. Um, and I'm just going to say this because I think our culture has really dissed on training and challenge. But God is a God to come and challenge us. It says in Hebrews, have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children. He said, my child, don't underestimate the value of discipline and training of the Lord God. Or don't get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves that you are his delightful child. Discipline or processing or challenge aren't bad when you know the value that he has for you. But notice how he comes to reveal himself. We saw that also with Moses. When God came and revealed him, or when God came and he met him at the rock, first he showed him his character and his nature, and then he gave him the code of conduct or the 12, or 12 10 commandments. Whoa. 
the Ten Commandments. He put the demand on him after he revealed himself. Same pattern for us as his delightful children. He will come and show himself or show our hearts in a loving fatherly way and then challenge us on what we know. You know, in in 2 Timothy, the words of God will empower you by their instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness that you would be perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment that God gives you. He comes as a way to train or to mold or to shape us so that we can answer the call, that he can complete the work as he's faithful to do, which he's already started. But it comes in a relational way. He comes to reprove us, to correct us, to instruct us. I know it's not fun, but it's good, right? There can be this thing on us that wants to cast it off like a, like a horse that hasn't been trained yet. Whoa. <laughs> you know, I remember this. Um, I'm coming to a close. I remember this. Most of you guys know I, I grew up here. Um, but in, when I was younger, like 13, we started a sister church in Alexandria, and it was Sunday nights, and so we'd do Sunday morning, then we'd go over there and do Sunday nights. Well, they moved to Sunday morning, I came back here, and then when I was 18, there was an opportunity to, to take over the worship director position there, and was in line with my calling, and let's go, you know? So I went over there for, I don't know, years. It felt like years. <laughs> it was years. Anyway, in the process, um, we were building something over there with a team, we had seen, you know, Alexandria, I don't know if you noticed this, but Alexandria's got this thing on them where it's like, I'm okay, I'm okay, just step off, I'm okay. So when it comes to worship, I don't know what Ashby has yet, so we'll figure it out, but anyway, um, or maybe I'm just not telling you. Anyway, I don't know. But so we were, we were wanting to build this community that wanted to love Jesus and, you know, would express love toward Jesus. And the process of that was just this, like, come on, team, let's build something great, and let's run after God, and let's see this family of, of, of God. Let's, let's just make a place for him. And so we were running full steam. And I remember there was a worship night that we weren't leading. We were just, you know, being, in, being taught as in another church in the community. And I remember standing there doing worship, and we had been running hard, like just psyched. God was doing some stuff. And I remember God stopped and he goes, you know, what I'd like you to do is just keep your eyes on honoring your leaders and stop running after the church looking a certain way. And to me, I mean, if anybody would have said that to me, I would have been like, no, <laughs> but well, that's not true. But to stop running after that thing was a really hard thing. But when God came and he said, I want you to honor your leaders. And you guys know him, uh, Pastor Mike and Rhonda Bartolomeo. Something shifted inside of me where I was like, okay, all right. So I'm going to lay down my vision for this thing. And I'm just going to run after what can I serve them in. And I told the team, I was like, guys, we're just going to take a breather. And we're just going to focus on every avenue that we can serve the leadership here. Every avenue. So we stopped, like, pushing for the things we were, you know, and we just decided, well, how can we help them in the vision here? Which I don't, I didn't realize that it had been a competing vision, and I don't even know if it was. I just know that my heart was so set on, 
an end goal. And God wanted to reroute it. And honor was the thing he started visiting me about. And so we did it. We laid it all down and we just like, well, let's, let's just do it. Let's just do whatever they want. And so if they wanted to do a worship night, we were like, yes, let's do it. If they wanted to do prayer, yes, let's be there. If they wanted to fast, the whole team, we're going to fast. Like if they wanted to, Sunday mornings was a certain direction. It's like, I don't even care what we thought we heard. Let's just run there. And it was just, how can we obey? But the heart conversation that came, it was a heart conversation and it was a direction. And that is sometimes how God comes and visits us is, hey, I'm seeing this in your heart. You trust me? Because let's go this way instead. And I want you to adjust your heart to this. When God comes, he's a relational God. He'll speak to you about heart things. He'll also, he's a partner with us. And so anything under your charge or your authority is something he wants to speak to you about. Your job, your family, your relationships, anything, anything under, that you have an effect in, he wants to talk to you. You know, it's, it's worth mentioning, Joseph and Daniel were in climates and under kings that were so anti-God, but they worked their way up to be their advisors and their main men just because they could hear the voice of God. You know, I know, I know this church, I'm looking at the faces, and I know that most of us work outside of the church in climates that maybe just, maybe it's just like we don't even talk about God. But you can hear God. You can recognize his voice. And guess what? He wants to speak to you about that budget proposal. He wants to speak to you about that marketing campaign, about how do I put that roof on, about how do I put that door in, about how do I lead this uh, nursing staff, anything. How do I take care of this person? You know, I teach lessons, piano and vocal lessons, and God has spoken to me about how I should teach certain students. There was one that had had a cleft, a cleft palate when he was born and had been adjusted, but he could still not understand him as clearly. And I remember the first lesson just going, Jesus, you got to help me understand him. And, and to this date, I understand what that, that, uh, student says when he's speaking and sometimes his mom, his mom comes in because she thinks she's going to have to interpret but I understand him and because of that there's a gifting inside of him that has been developing and shining even in the public school so God wants to partner, partner with you on things anything under your charge or your authority God will speak to you about those things about your children about your house about your home atmosphere even, about your cars, about which car to buy. I mean, those things, they may seem small, but those are the things that God wants to set us up. Can we hear him in the little things? Remember, practice it in the little things so that when it's a crisis, you're not scrambling, what is the voice of Jesus? The last thing I'm going to say is um, in our ministry, you know, we've all been called to the ministry of reconciliation, bringing who Jesus is to those that don't know yet and reconciling their relationships with him. God wants to speak to us about how we can speak out to others. I think that's probably the most effective form of evangelism. Over some tract, which I'm not dissing on those, they're a great tool, but I'm saying imagine if you had a word from God for somebody. The effect rides on his words, not on our own actions, on his words is the anointing to break yokes even. It's too costly not to hear from him. We got one shot here in this life on earth. It's too costly not to partner with him and know his voice.
So does your, can your faith grow this morning that you hear him? You know, this is, when Elijah went to hear from God, it got really loud with everything other than the voice of God. It'll probably happen now that we're opening up our ears. It'll probably get a little bit louder, the opposition or the voice of fear or the voice of wisdom or the voice that's pushing and prodding and yelling. That probably get a little bit louder. But we stand on the promise. I know his voice. I know his voice. And let him speak to us about our hearts. Um. And not let anything else substitute. I, I saw this prophecy. I'm going to wind down to a close so if the team wants to come. But um, this is Charles Spurgeon. He said, what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. Whatever God has done is to be the precedent. So whatever you see in scripture about how God talked... He wants to do that again. Whatever you see in history about what God's done, he wants to do that again. You know, I'm running after miracles, signs, and wonders because I see it all over history. Why not? Why not? People, people with radical experiences with him. You know, every revivalist that got started, most of them you can track it back to a moment or an experience or some ongoing experiences with God himself. That is our inheritance. That is everything that we, we want is to just to know him. You know, and it wasn't the ones that got taken out. Most of the time, it was because the demands of the movement or the signs, wonders, and miracles, the, the pressure to produce them or more focus on signs, wonders, and miracles than on him cultivate, let's cultivate our relationships with him so that we don't take our eyes off of him. Even when the miracles come, even when the prophecies are breaking out, even when, even when God comes and he's, he, everything is going well with us, let's not take our eyes off of laying out the pieces of our life every morning and waiting for a fire to fall because we know he will fall, he will come. I guess I just wanted to stir, will you stand with me? I wanted to stir our faith this morning. We gotta. Um, do you want to connect with Michelle? I wanted to stir our faith this morning. There's that thing in Hebrews where it talks about sons and daughters, and that's us. That's us. So we can have a promise that He will take delight in us and speak to us. And it's that's on His heart too. We got a testimony. Come on, Michelle. Good morning. Um, God knows I'm not comfortable coming up here, but I've listened to his voice this whole church service speaking to me. So most of you know my husband was healed of what they said was incurable cancer of May of 2018. Well, he had a PET scan Friday, and it's clear again. So I am just, we are filled with such thankfulness and such joy, and I just want to share that and share the goodness of God his oncologist is totally baffled because he should not be here. So um, he keeps making us come back. But God, he, Crosby was healed by the grace of glory of God. And I just wanted to remind 
everybody about his goodness. So thank you. That's a miracle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just worship him. Promises, my confidence. 
this morning. His promises are yes and amen. Our confidence is in Him, is in Him alone, is in His faithfulness. Come on, you came here this morning, not just to fulfill a service duty, but because you are His child and you're hungry for Him. I see it on the hearts in this room. Oh, to hear His voice this next week. He's calling you His delightful children, and He is promising to speak I wanted to build our faith this morning because I feel like God wants to do something in this place that we'd be so confident in our God, that we'd be so confident that he's working on our behalf. This morning, would you just lift your hands? We're going to pray. I'm going to have the altar workers come forward, but there's something tangible to take hold of as a promise. If you've been lonely, if you've been feeling purposeless, if you've been feeling like, what was it all about? If you've been just wanting to hear God say, this is what I have for you next, or uh, uh, to put his stamp of, uh, I'm proud of you and you're on the right case, you're on the right track. God wants to speak to you this morning, a personal interaction, not a prophetic word coming from somebody else's mouth. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are meant to hear Jesus' voice, to hear our Father's voice for ourselves. So Father, I just ask that you'd release your voice Make our ears to hear. Make our hearts to obey. Give us the faith to believe that you're speaking. And I ask for such a a filling of life, a filling of encouragement, a filling of of faith for this next week that it would start today, but that you're beginning to repair us, to train us, to do the assignments you have for us. And we just welcome God, the process. We ask for experiences like Elijah had, like Moses had, like David had, like Jesus promised. 
and that you would train our ear to recognize you, God. And I just call the gifts in this room, in their hearts. God, that you train us, that you process, that you challenge us, that you discipline us and instruct us so that we can rise up with those gifts and take the world by storm, God. I thank you, Jesus, for your voice in your hand. Amen. I just want to invite you, if you need a personal touch of prayer this morning, if you need the power of agreement today, whether that's healing, just encouragement, deliverance, whatever you need, we've got well-able prayer counselors. Otherwise, we're going to do the next best thing. And if we're going to fellowship with one another, we've got um, refreshments in the kitchen. I just want to encourage you, if you haven't connected with somebody yet, in this body, I want to invite you to be intentional with that time. Say hi. Step out of the comfort zone, introverts, and just make yourself known. Hi, I am. Hi, my name is. Find connection in the family. You guys are blessed, and we can be dismissed this morning. And I want you to know that He can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org. 